at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, June 16th, 2023. And, well, the weekend is here, or almost here anyways. And I've returned from my getaway trip. For, uh, I was on the East Coast for a few days this week. And Justin Klein will be back at work on Monday. So we'll be back here live all next week. So please tune us in. I'm Steve Pisa. I'm here to help you become a better investor. I can do that by giving you some data and maybe my and my perspectives. And develop, you know, I've been doing this for... Uh, the radio for 20 years or so, but I've been investing for 40 years, 40 plus years. So I'm hoping that I can help you with that, help you become a better investor. And of course, I'm going to blend today's comments that I have with you, the listener, because you got to provide me with questions and you provide the topic selection. You set the table. So that makes you a vital part of the program podcast here, so, you know, I'm looking forward to your questions. Uh, here on Fast Talk, we do not have a hidden agenda. Uh, we work pretty hard to give you unbiased guidance with the goal of enabling you to be to move forward on a path of successful investing. So, But again, you're the one that drives the direction of the show with your investing questions, so I hope you will, will call. And now I'm ready to take those questions. The online is always open, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. The focus point today looks at the story behind the question, is retiring early a realistic goal? Can you retire early? And I have some tips from people who do. There's a system called FIRE, F-I-R-E, and it allows people to retire much earlier than they would if, than you would normally, if you use, they have three things you got to do. Now, not easy things for most people to do, but you can do it. So you got to do, you get, that's what we have. Time permitting, I also dig into some questions I want to, or some topics I want to bring up. Fact, we have, you know, in the U.S., we have a factory boom going on. A factory boom, building factories. I want to discuss that. Tell you why, how, how we know it exists and what's causing it. J.P. Morgan says in the, in the next few weeks, money managers are going to start unloading stocks. At least that's what they said. We'll see. Deutsches Bank says one, they are 100% certain that the economy is going to turn down. So why are they saying that? So I'm going to see if we can get to those questions. But again, as I said, you get to drive the show. We also have uh, voice bank questions concerning ETFs, Williams-Sonoma. And, of course, we have a couple of iTunes review questions to hopefully we can get to. 
And it is Friday, and since it is Friday, I will be sharing highlights from the KPP News Premium Newsletter. And that's usually coming up at the halfway point of the podcast. So we got a lot planned, as we do every day when we do the podcast. And of course, I will take your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Well, the market had a great week, but it didn't have a great day today. The market was down today. The Dow was down 109 points. The Nasdaq down 93 points. And the S&P... Uh, 500 was down 16 points. What was nice about this week's movement up was it broadened away. Remember, I've been doing the show a few weeks ago, and I said that this market has been moving up based only on about 10, well, 6 to 10 stocks in the indexes, in the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. They were driving, the big tech stocks, they were driving the market. The market broadened out this week, which was a nice sign of a bull market. So are we in a new bull market at this time? Well, that's a hard question to answer, isn't it? Okay. Invest talk. We're headed to take, take your calls. I wish you to give a call. Where, you, know, you can call anytime, 888-99-CHART. Um, let's see. Why don't we go ahead and go to our, our first call at voicemail. Hello. I was wondering if you have a portfolio of around like 35 stocks and like 30 of them are enrolled in drip, do you recommend keeping stocks in drip or taking the cash dividend and purchasing additional shares as you go along? Thanks. And uh, thanks for all you guys do. Well, if you have 35 stocks in a drip and everybody, a drip is a dividend reinvestment plan. Um, that That's a type of plan to invest in stocks. And um, if you have a drip you, and you got 35 stocks, I wouldn't buy any more stocks. You don't need more. As long as you have good, fundamentally strong stocks, you would reinvest the, the drip dividends back into the stock. Okay? Um, that's how I would handle it because then you compound your dividend by receiving it and invest it back in the stock. Most drips are large companies that pay dividends. You know, that's what most drips are constructed of. Not all. They don't all have to be. You can construct them any way you want to, but most do it that way. Okay? Because the drip, the dividend reinvestment plan, the dividend, dividend is what is key. Keep reinvesting it to get more dividends. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. Please remember that you can call anytime you want. Leave your question on InvestDoc Voice Bank. Or if you are listening live, via live, I hope you are, via live or live streaming or on AM 1220 radio in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can call right now, 888-99-CHART. KPP Financial invites you to join us for a new Invest Talk Wealth Webinar, Rates and Real Estate. You'll gain valuable investing insights for the commercial and residential real estate markets of 2023. We will also explore the world of REITs and delve into a comprehensive analysis of the Deferred Sales Trust, a real estate tax deferral strategy. The Invest Talk Wealth Webinar will take place on Wednesday, June 28th from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. And it will be led by InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, along with KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. 
This complimentary webinar is your opportunity to learn from top finance experts in the industry. So go to investtalk.com, register for this free wealth webinar, Rates and Real Estate. The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Investalk. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. My focus point takes a look at behind the question. Is retiring early a realistic goal? And the answer is, I'm going to give you a very solid, confirmed yes. You can do that. But you're going to have to make some sacrifices. How to do it? How are you going to make your money last? How are you going to make it super efficient? So how do you do that? This is how the people who fire the, who follow this system are able to do it. They, they use a system, uh, and they have a name for themselves called FIRE, F-I-R-E, Financial Independence Retire Early. That's the movement, the movement known as FIRE, Financial Independence Retire Early. Um, so if you look at what they do, there's three basic ways. Well, it's not ways. You, you have to combine them all three. You've got to do all three. But there are three things they do to enable them to do it. And they have been able to do it. And it is doable. The first one, boost your savings rate. Very important, especially when you're young. Today, the average savings rate in the United States hovers around 2 to 5%. 2 to 5%. That's nothing. That rate ensures most Americans will have to wait, will have to wait till they retire. Till they're in their late 60s, early 70s. Just have to. But by saving 50%, of your income, the average person can reach financial independence in 10 years or less. 50, 50%. Okay, uh, this, there's an example. Uh, uh, between 2010 and 2015, a guy named Saboteur saved up to, eight, up to 82% of his income and put it in a total stock market index fund, which he allowed to compound and grow. And now he, ha- he says, now I have, uh, uh, I have way more money than I ever thought I would and invested in more money than I will ever need. But he said. Number two, reduce your cost of living. Reduce it. Instead of living in a really nice uh, apartment, you, buy, you get a really cheap little one. Saboteur said he used to have a $1,700 per month apartment, and he moved down to an $800 per month. He also had an old used car. He reduced his cost of living dramatically. Okay, that's what that's one that's number two. That's how you do it. You reduced your costs, and you live like you know uh, you live like you live very frugally, very frugally. People can do that; they just don't want to do that. Okay, um, for him, he moved to Portugal, where his property tax his property tax dropped from eleven thousand to one hundred eighty four dollars. From eleven thousand to one hundred eighty four dollars, his health care 
costs 10 to 15% of what it used to cost. Prescription drugs, drugs, we've taken prescription drug, a prescription drug in the United States at $600 per month. You cut that down to $60 per month. Number three, increase your income. Of course, that's easier said than done. We all know that. But it, but you can, you know, just by working steadily and having a good job, you'll get raises. You just don't spend the raises. You don't spend them. You live frugally, very frugally. You save that extra money. He said he did this 10 years ago, and he's now retired if he wants to. Now, he also said that it's very easy to work side jobs. He helped uh, helped a friend be a mover on the weekends. He helped move furniture. Uh, He also said uh, he he, uh, designed websites uh, on the side, and he also, main job was working for Google doing, you know, um, 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 ad, ad advertisements. So, but you can do side jobs. Now, you're real busy, you're living cheap, and you really don't have a lot of fun. But you can save a lot of money very fast using this method. Let's pivot to an InvestTalk voice bank for the question that came in earlier from the Bay Area, 888-99-CHART. This is Tarun. I'm calling from the Bay Area. Thanks for the show. I wanted to get your guys' take on Williams Sonoma, ticker symbol WSM. Just wanted to get your guys' take on it, if it is a good time to buy and start a, start a position in this holding. Thank you, and you have a good day. Okay, Williams Sonoma Company, WSM. Uh, they're out of San Francisco, operates 530 home furnishings and advisory store, accessory stores in 41 states, D.C., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, and United Kingdom. Um, expects 2023 earnings to decline about 3%. Okay, that means the earnings decline, but they still have a 3% growth number. So they're going to $14.05 is next year's earnings, $13.59 this year's earnings. That was down 18% from last year of $16.54 per share. It's $124 stock, so awfully inexpensive, okay? But the stock has always been pretty cheap. Its five-year average is 6 to 21, and its forward P looks like around 9. 9. Okay, so it's not... It's not at its very lowest, but it's pretty low. Uh, return equity is very good at 68%. Cash flow is very strong at $20.44, and it pays a 2.9% dividend. So this is a pretty good price. It got up to $200, a little bit more than $200 a couple of years ago, and it looks like it's basing to me, so there'll probably be a good point to buy in this area, but don't expect a lot of growth. You're not going to get a lot of growth. Just not going to happen. WSM, William Sonoba. We're headed into a break. I welcome your financial investment questions. You can do it now. No questions too simple or too complex, everybody. You set the agenda. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Steve Peasley is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. 
888-992-4278. Let's talk to Roger in Palo Alto. Let's talk about dividends. Hi, Roger. Hi there. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I was wondering. I believe I heard that when a stock pays a dividend, the stock price goes down that same amount to yes. reflect that. that yes. So what's the advantage of having a dividend if you have the same amount of money before and after? Well, the advantage is that you get the money in your pocket as opposed to being with the company. Instead of being staying, that money staying with the company, it comes to you in the form of a dividend. The stock price might go down, but that money came to you. So you didn't lose anything. Couldn't you do the the same thing by selling that much stock? Yes, you can. And some people will do that, especially if they're into gross stocks and they want some income from the gross stocks. They sell a part of their stocks, uh, you know, especially if you don't have to pay a commission when you sell it. Um, and that's how they earn money back from the company. But most people want dividend-paying stocks because they want the income. So for, to clarify, Roger, you know what, what you said for everybody else, if your company pays a 10% dividend that, and, and they give it to you in the form of a dividend, that 10% that 10% comes off the price of the stock. So if it was a $100 stock, it would go to $90 because they paid the $10 to you in the dividend. So you didn't lose anything because you got the money. Hopefully, but you didn't really gain anything either. Well, no, you did not really, no. But on the other hand, if they're paying them to you in a dividend, now the future earnings are spread over, you know, the, the future earnings, you get more and more dividend. So people like that, and they drive, and the theory is they drive up the stock price because of that. Remember, their earnings are still the same, or they go, are they're going up, hopefully, uh, of the dividend-paying stock. So, you, you've, you know, in, t- in seven years, they pay 10%. You all have all your money back. The stock doesn't go to zero. Right? Won't go to zero. Even though you got okay, all your money back. You. Okay? Good question, though, Roger. Thank you. Let's go to Richard in Cupertino. Hi, Richard. Hello, uh, State on Dividends. Uh-huh. Uh, I probably did the uh, uh, poor decision. I fell in love with a stock called uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, and it pays about 6.5% dividend. Yes. And it's like a banking stock, been trailing off on the pricing of it. And I just can't figure out if it's worthwhile holding on to, and I'm just going back and forth and back and forth. So I thought I'd see what an expert would say. Okay. Uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, everybody, is a good-sized bank, $60 billion in size. Canadian-based international bank operating through 2,600 branches in over 40 countries worldwide. Uh, they made eight dollars and fifty cents a share in 2022. This year they're going to make five dollars and thirty-two cents. Next year five dollars and sixty-four cents. Uh, generally speaking, they don't grow very much. But the late, most recent quarters, their sales growth increased over hundred percent for each two quarters. Before that, they were kind of flat. Now I want to know why all of a sudden they're doing really, really well uh, on the sales growth. Something they. Could have bought a company or something. I don't know. But they're still not a cheap stock. It pays 62 to 6.5% dividend, as you point out. Cash flow is very strong at $10 a share. Uh, but they're, it's not. It's a $50 stock going to make $5.64 next year, which is about, a, what, a 12 PE yeah. or so? 
So, and that's its range, 4 to 12 PE. So it's going to have a hard time going up in price. It really is. So you might want to buy something. You might have trouble finding a company that pays a higher dividend, but you might want to find something with better fundamentals. It's not, not Seems bad, like it's, uh, it's protected. The dividend's protected with their attitude uh, wanting yep. to pay dividend. But uh, then, of course, the government's turn around, what, one-year treasury is 5% or so? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. So you you almost can do it with a much safer investment. You can get pretty close. So that's always an issue, right? Now, you point out something very important, very important, Richard, and that is money is competing for stocks or bonds. And if there's more if bonds are paying more and more and more money, especially U.S. government bonds are paying more and more and more money, which they are because they're raising in, in the 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 they're raising the uh, interest rates. Then why not buy a treasury and get you know four or five percent versus a stock that pays a dividend four or five percent? Stock is much more risky, and if you're trying to live off dividends, that drives people more and more. The higher the dividend on uh, on less risky uh, investments, the more money will go to that instead of the stock market. That's the theory, anyways. Appreciate the call. Thank you for the call, Richard. Appreciate that. We're moving into a quick break, everybody, but my phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, Bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools, 
to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. KPP Financial invites you to join us for a new Invest Talk Wealth Webinar, Rates and Real Estate, June 28th, from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. So go to investtalk.com, register for this free wealth webinar, Rates and Real Estate. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Usually on Fridays, I give you a quick rundown on the benchmark numbers. So the two-year Treasury yield is 4.72 this week. Uh, a little perspective, 4.58, 4.58. Last week, 4.72, so more yield in the two-year Treasury. Of course, the Fed bumped the rate. Uh, the Fed left the rate alone, but threatened to bump the rate later. Uh, a year ago, um, it was, uh, what, um, 52, uh, 2.65. 65 weeks ago, it was 1.9. And 77 weeks ago, it was 0.64. So a year and a half from 0.64 to 4.72. 10-year Treasury, 3.76. It was 3.73. 3.73 last week, so it barely moved. The two-year Treasury went up in yield, whereas the 10-year Treasury didn't. And that was 1.72 or 1.76% a year ago. So it was a normal yield curve where the two-year paid much less than the 10-year. Today, the two-year pays much more than the 10-year. That's an inverted yield curve, and it's usually very negative for the economy. But we've had a inverted yield curve for about a year, and so far, you know, we well technically we did go in a recession last year. Two quarters in a row were shrinkage, uh, but it is very possible that we're going to go into recession again. Now, one of the things that worries me—well, I don't—that's no, not the right term. Worry is not the right term. One of the things that I I need to consider is that too many people think we are going in a recession. When too many people think we're going to go do something then that something doesn't happen. So there's a lot of experts think we're going to recession. I could see, I, I don't like being on the side of the majority. I really don't. Uh, I don't like thinking the same way they think. I like to think a little bit independently from them. But the odds are, you know, the odds are we should be in a recession by the end of the year. Now, it might be the last quarter that we have shrinkage in the first quarter of next year. That's possible. So, therefore, we technically aren't in a recession this year. That's possible. And, it's, you know, it's a good odds that it could happen. But it could be that we don't fall in a recession. Remember, recession is two quarters in a row with the GDP shrinking. Okay? Gold. Uh, $1,959 an ounce. Last year, it was 1961 uh, 11 weeks ago, it was 1970. Um, a, a year ago, it was 1911, so it really hasn't done much. Silver, $24.15 an ounce. 
Last week, it was $24.30, so it actually went down $0.15. Cents. So, and about a year ago, it was, um, let's see, moved, 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 moved. Um, about a year ago, it was $18.64. So, it, it's done better than gold as far as being up. Oil, $71.81 a barrel. It was $70.71 last week. Um, it got up to uh, what uh, $97 about uh, about uh, about a year ago $97 a barrel now $71.81 uh, and a year and a half ago $66.62 so it hasn't really moved up that much it did in between now and back then but not 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 last week it's still pretty it's pretty low National average of gasoline, $3.58. It was $3.56 last week. Of course, it was about $3.57 70 weeks ago. So it really hasn't done much uh, in in the last year and a half or so. About the same. But gasoline at the pump, California, averages $4.87. At my local gas station, it's over $5 a gallon right now. If I was living in Texas, it's $3.12. That's $1.75 cheaper than what I'm paying, by the way, on average. But pretty pretty inexpensive for a gallon of gasoline. Let's swing back to the voice bank. Then uh, here's a call that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. I just had a simple question about how best to analyze an ETF to decide whether or not to buy. I get some of the ratios you want to look at for individual companies, but some of them don't directly apply. So I'm wondering what translates and what doesn't into analyzing an ETF. Would love to hear you guys answer. Um, Look forward to it. You might be better off analyzing sectors that the ETF is in. What sector is the ETF in? Is that a sector that in this current economic environment that that would do well? Or what sector um, will do well in the, in the future considering today's current economic environment? In other words, if you feel we're going into recession, if that's it, what works better in recessions? What sectors uh, work better in recessions than the rest of the market? If you feel we're now in a new bold phase of a market, what sectors will work best? And then you invest in the ETFs that specialize in those sectors. But a lot of times you buy the ETF that you uh, want a certain outcome from. For instance, if you wanted high dividend uh, paying stocks, you can buy an ETF that specializes in that. Or maybe you want a dividend paying ETF that uh, is much uh, much less risky, but and you're looking for income. That might be a you know a government bond ETF, a U.S. Treasury bond ETF, or if you're looking for high growth, look for a small cap growth ETF. Depends on what you think you will work going in the future. You don't necessarily. You can also analyze the top stocks in that ETF, which we would do um, if we're going to buy ETFs. But maybe you don't have the skills to do that. But maybe you have the knowledge and skills to pick sectors. Might be better served doing that. Okay, the KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers subscribers tomorrow morning. And now I have a review. In the market conditions sections, we explained that the SP 500 traded relatively flat on Friday after seeing its best weekly performance since March. Uh, 
Okay, this occurred on the back of a pause decision from the Fed, as well as encouraging data that suggests that inflation is continuing to recede. The Federal Reserve rate decision marked the first time in 10 meetings that the Fed chose not to raise rates. While still taking hawkish tone, they still are hawkish, meaning that the Fed signaled that rather than cut rates this year, it's more likely that they will be, there will be two additional rate increases before we end 2024. I think that's a mistake. I think they've done their job. I think that that would cause more stress in the economy if they do raise two more times by the end of the year. The primary driver of the Fed's decision to pause was the PPI and CPI numbers released early in the week, which showed inflation coming in slightly below expectations, yet still well above the Fed's target of 2%. And just so you know, the national, the, our national average of inflation of, over many decades is like 3%. So their 2% target is below our average I'm not sure why they think this should be below our average. Their target should be below our average. It has certainly been a good stretch of weeks for the market bulls with $40 billion in inflows into equity funds in the past three weeks. Their overall breadth of the rally seems to be improving as the labor market continues to be tighter than expected and the release of consumer numbers, which most experts uh, expect to be strong, are on the horizon. The soft landing scenario is beginning to take hold for some. Okay, so is the Fed going to achieve a soft landing? Could be. They have never been successful at soft landing before, but it could be. Of course, there is uh, a lot more commentary detail in the newsletter, everybody. In the stock idea section, we highlighted a company comprised of various fashion brands. The firm's products are sold through about 1,400 company-operated stores, wholesale channels, and e-commerce in North America, Europe, and Asia, and elsewhere. It's also one of the share leaders in the profitable categories of handbags and other leather goods. The company has moderate leverage with a very high interest coverage ratio. It currently trades at a P.E. ratio of 12, suggesting it's undervalued compared to its peers. We also looked at a company that provides minimally invasive and non-invasive surgical aesthetic and medical treatment solutions in the United States. Its products and solutions addresses three treatment categories that include face and body, contouring, medical aesthetics, and women's health. The company has a strong competitive advantage in the market. It has virtually no debt and high gross margins of 50%. The stock has been trading in a narrow range over the past year. Given its continued growth, it is a matter of time before it breaks out. And, of course, we name names in the newsletter. Names. Okay? I've given you a sample teaser of the latest KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribers receive the full edition via email each Saturday, every week. They also get the portfolio and consumer sections. Okay, portfolio uh, and consumer watch sections. Learn more and subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Uh, okay, so factory boom in the U.S. Uh, well, how do we know? Well, because in uh, uh, annualized, we spend about 90, uh, $91 billion, that's our rate every year, on factories. Okay, building factories. 
building. 91 million. 2022, up until April, we spend 189 billion. So we went from 91 on an annualized basis to 189 billion in just in April, up until April, four months. Okay, that's why. Why why is that happening? Government incentives are in the trillions, and the companies are taking advantage of it. And they're targeting four areas. Electrical equipment, electronics, transportation, and chemicals. For for the first three, it's all about electric vehicles, isn't it? So the government's spending lots of incentives to move toward the electric vehicle. I don't know if we need the incentives because we're going there anyways, but it doesn't matter. So companies are trying to build um, factories for electric vehicles, and they're doing it. So that's why it's doing so well. Okay, we need we need to build our own cars, and we need to build our own stuff. So, you know, I, I don't know if we need to go in this much debt to do it, you know, but we that's what that's what's happening right now. So just so you know, we are having a, a factory boom here in the United States. And that probably will continue because of the incentives. It worries me a little bit that the government is picking what sectors are going to benefit. I, I never did like that about any time. And I'm not, it doesn't matter what, what, uh, uh, what, what party the president is from or what party the Congress is. I don't. I've never liked it. Never liked it when the Republicans do it, and never liked it when the Democrats do it. Picking the sectors that are the winners. I just. I don't like governments picking that because it's inefficient. I like private industry to pick it. I mean, I don't have a problem with the government incentivizing building factories. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Okay, but that's what's going on, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Okay, uh, J.P. Morgan, we're going to get to what they say uh, is going to happen in the next few weeks. Let's go to Sammy in San Francisco, everybody. Hi, Sammy. Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, thanks, Steve, for taking my call. Uh, I have a question regarding the uh, company named uh, Cloudflare. The ticker symbol is NET. What would be a good entry point into the stock? Okay, this is Cloudfare, and Sammy wants an entry point. It's headquarters out of San Francisco, develops software for firewall, routing, traffic optimizing, load balancing, and other network services. I do like that area. Uh, they're going to earn $0.34 cents this year after earning $0.13 cents last year per share. And next year per share, $0.41. Cents. So it's pretty pretty fast growth. It's a growth stock, uh, 37 to 50% growth in the last Every quarter for the last two years. So it's really a high growth stock. And they got beat up. They were like $200 a share uh, back in, in 2021. And today they're at 67. So Sammy's looking for an entry point. When should I get in? It's very close. If it breaks above $72 a share, Sammy, I think that's kind of that's a breakout. And I think that's when you buy it. If it pulls back, because it's getting very close, remember, 67 it pulls back to the low 60s and then starts up again, that's another very, because the buy points are very narrow. So low 60s, 61, 60, 61, 62, I think that's a good buy point. If it breaks above 72, it's broken out, and I think you just buy it. So those are the two things. Right now, 67, 63, I just keep an eyeball on it. 
you know, see what happens. When If it travels in this range between 62 and 70 and just stays in that range for a while, the odds of it breaking out are, are high, very high. So you might want to wait a few weeks and see what it does. If it just stays where it is uh, by the beginning of uh, the school year, let's say, I'm talking about September, and it stayed in that range this whole time, I'd be a buyer at that point. It would be called be basing. It's basing. And this, with the high growth rate it has, I would think the basing would be meaning it's just preparing to take a big, big jump springboard up. Okay? Kind of expensive, $67 stock for only making $0.41, cents, but you're buying this because of the growth. Sammy, I hope it works for you. Good luck with it. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, this is Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, everybody, to help you achieve financial freedom. That's our goal. And our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, guys. I was calling about the stock BIG, B-I-G. I own some shares in it. It's dropped a lot. I was wondering if it's uh, time to get rid of it or should I just hang on and see if it comes back? Thank you for your help. This is Big Lots, everybody. BIG uh, operates 1,425 discount stores in 48 states. Stores offer for offered uh, brand name closeouts and other value-priced goods. I think most people are familiar with it. They lost, okay, they lost money in their fiscal 2023 year. That's past now. Their fiscal 2000 year, 23. They lost $5.95. The year before, they made $5.44. This year, um, they're the current fiscal year, which would be 2024, $9.18 they're going to lose. And then the year after that, they're going to lose $5.79. Now, they say they pay a 15% dividend. That I don't think is going to be true going forward because they don't have money and they don't have the cash flow. Cash flow is going to be negative 53 cents. Sales are falling about 10% a quarter every quarter for the last, you know, two years on average. Uh, I'm not keen on the stock. It did have a nice bounce uh, the last, what, since June. I think I, myself, I'd sell this bounce. I would sell the bounce because I would not want to hold on to this. It's too weak. Okay, I will tell you this, though. It's selling at a third of book value. And what that means, if they liquidated the company, you would get a lot more money than the current $7.58 a share if they just liquidated their holdings. They don't have a ton of debt either. So this could be a bottom for them. If you're really a risk taker, you'd want to hold it here. But... For me, I don't like companies that don't make money and not going to make money in the in the near future or as far out as we can see, they're not going to make money. I, I do not like that at all. So I'd probably sell it on the bounce, on the current bounce. Okay? B-I-G is a symbol. 
J.P. Morgan says in the next few weeks, money managers are set to unload as much as $150 billion in stocks. That will be about a 5% reduction or hit to the, uh, to the indexes. Prob- That's what they're saying. They're saying this because managers need to rebalance their portfolios. They've gotten out of balance, and they're going to rebalance by issuing, uh, selling the, the stocks and buying bonds. That's, the, that's what they're saying. So that might drive the yields of bonds downward because they're going to put a lot of money into that. That's what J.P. Morgan says. Will it happen? We don't know. They don't know. I'm, you know, I'm very skeptical. These are big houses I'm, I'm quoting, right? You've seen me do this. You, or you've heard me do this. Tell you what this big house and that big house says. And that doesn't mean it's true, but it does mean you need to pay attention because they have a lot of money at risk, and they can make it come true because they are actually doing what they say they're going to do. In other words, they're going to sell, they're going to sell uh, a part of that $150 billion in uh, in equities, they're going to sell it. And J.P. Morgan's big. They can affect the market. Deutsche Bank says there's one, they are 100% certain, 100% certain the econ- where we're going to have an economic downturn. They think that we're going to have, be in a recession. Okay, and they say they expect rates to go higher by the Fed. Interest rates will keep rising. This is one of the reasons why they think it's going to happen. They think unemployment is creeping up and it's going to go to 4 to 4.5% by the first quarter of next year. Uh, They see for the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year as shrinking. Two quarters in a row of shrinking economic activity. We're in a recession. That's what they are saying. They're saying also inflation will come down to about 3.5% by year-end. So they're expecting inflation to come off its high, but that's not going to stop. They also think that the, the uh, Ukraine conflict is going to put pressure on on economies and market. That's what they said. That's Deutsche's Bank. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family member about our free podcast downloads. Invest Talk is free. Always has been, always will be. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do get it down uh, from iTunes, please review and rate us. We appreciate that. We're at 53.2 million, million downloads so far. And we want to thank everybody for that. Independent thinking and share success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening. 
And your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 